All right. Good morning, everybody. Trust that you make your way uh, to your seats. Uh, let me just say how thankful we are to be gathered together in the house of the Lord. So this morning, Haley, why don't you come on down? Uh, this morning, uh, we have Haley is coming to be baptized today. Go ahead, right here. Turn around. Haley comes. Let me give you quickly a little background you have family here that's going to come and take some pictures so let them go ahead and come up on the stage if they'd like to there you go Haley was actually going to be baptized this past March uh, Haley has been a part of our faith families for the past uh, three years and uh, she clearly understands the gospel 
Uh, she loves God. She's put her faith and trust in Jesus, and she was going to be baptized prior to spring break. She got sick the night that we did baptisms on that Wednesday night. And then instead of being able to turn around and do it, the, the next Wednesday, we entered into the world of COVID-19. And so here we are, five months removed. And I will tell you this, that her excitement and love for the Lord has only increased since that time. And so it is with great joy that we are able to begin our worship celebration today by recognizing a, a child of God and their faith and their commitment to love Jesus and to live for him and to serve him with all of her heart. And so Haley is based upon your public profession of faith in Jesus in accordance to his command and baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You are buried in the likeness of his death and you are raised to walk in newness of life. Would you please join with me? Let's stand together. Let me open us with a word of prayer. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and your great faithfulness to us all. And Father, we thank you for allowing us to participate and to celebrate the decision that Haley has made to love you and to live for you. Father, there are other people in this very place that have yet to make their decision to submit and surrender their lives unto you. I ask that the Holy Spirit would grant them the faith to receive you as Savior. Be with us during this time. Be pleased by what you see and hear from all of us. We commit it unto you. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Welcome. Let's worship our Lord together in song this morning. We'll sing together for the, for the Lord our God reigns. Let the earth and heavens rejoice, for the Lord I God reigns. Every child of God lifts your voice, for the Lord I God reigns. Jesus Emmanuel, he has set us free. Hopeless souls redeemed to tell, for the Lord I God reigns. For the Lord our God reigns. Every heart be filled with His light. For the Lord our God reigns. All the hopeless dance with delight. For the Lord our God reigns. Jesus Emmanuel. He has set us free, hopeless souls redeemed to tell, for the Lord our God reigns, for the Lord Jesus Emmanuel, Jesus Emmanuel, He has set us free, for hopeless souls redeemed to tell.
Let the earth and heavens rejoice For the Lord our God reigns Every child of God lift your voice For the Lord our God reigns Jesus Emmanuel He has set us free Hopeless souls redeemed to death For the Lord our God reigns For the Lord our God reigns Oh Jesus Emmanuel For the Lord, our God God's wondrous grace to me he hath made known nor why unworthy Christ in love redeemed me for his own but I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I committed unto him against that day i know not how this saving faith to me he did impart nor how believing in his word brought peace within my heart but i know whom i have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which i've committed unto him against that day i know not how the spirit moves convincing men of sin revealing jesus through his word creating faith in him but i know whom i have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which i've committed unto him against that day i know not when my lord may come at night or noonday nor if i'll walk the veil with him or meet him in the air but i know who i have believed and am persuaded that he is able Unto him against that day. Amen. 
Good morning. Those of you that don't know, J.E. Todd, well, it's on the screen, and my wife, Lynn. Uh, we, it's, it's an honor to be here to just simply read scripture and pray with you. If you go ahead and be seated if you'd like. And if you need, uh, you can look in page 938 of the Pew Bibles to follow along with us as we uh, read scripture and pray with you. We're going to open our Bibles to Luke chapter 14, verse 25. Now large crowds were going along with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who observe it begin to ridicule him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish? Or what king, when he sets out to meet another king in battle, will not first sit down and consider whether he is strong enough with 10,000 men to encounter the one coming against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So then none of you can be my disciples who does not give up all his own possessions. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to simply hate ourselves and love you. Lord, help us to abide by your word. Lord, we ask that you continue to bless this service. We thank you so much for the baptism this morning and the adding to your kingdom. We ask that you just be with Brother David. Lord, hide him behind the cross and let his word speak truly to what we need to hear. Continue to shower us with your blessings. And we ask your forgiveness where we fail to recognize those blessings. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Will you stand with us as we continue to worship in song together? I need thee every hour, most gracious Lord, no tender voice like thine can peace Temptations lose their power when thou 
he does and as jesus our messiah hold forever those he loves he does does our god intend to dwell again with us aren't you glad he does is anyone worthy is anyone home? Is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? The Lion of Judah, who conquered the grave, he is David, truth, and the Lamb who died to ransom the slave from every people and tribe, every nation and he has made us a kingdom of priests to God to reign with his son. Is he worthy? Is he worthy of our blessing and honor and glory? Is he worthy? Is he worthy? Is he it to him. He is. He is. He is. He is. He is worthy. He is worthy of all blessing and honor and glory. He is worthy. you're the only one worthy no one else only you God our lives long to give you praise today our hearts our words everything all of creation giving you praise for all that you have done all that you do every moment of every day Father without your constancy we would be hopeless thank you you alone are worthy. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 All right, church, as you are seated, I'm going to invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 John chapter 5. When you find 1 John chapter 5, uh, I'd also encourage you perhaps to go ahead and make your way to John chapter 14, Matthew chapter 6. So 1 John chapter 5, John chapter 14, Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to use some other references, but I want you to see those places when I get to them. So I want to give you a little heads up before I get there so you can begin to, to find them in your Bibles. This morning we're going to continue to look at these foundational truths that John gives us in his letter in the fifth chapter of 1 John. There's five foundational truths that we can uh, declare with great confidence. We can believe and confess these truths with confidence. 
Uh, The first of those truths we talked about two weeks ago. It's contained within verses 6 through 10. And the first truth is that Jesus is the Son of God. Last week we looked at truth number 2. And truth number 2 is found within verses 11, 12, and 13. And that truth is that believers have eternal life. Today's truth is God answers prayers. Now, I would think that that might generate a little bit of excitement in your life. Come on, church. God answers prayers. Are you, I mean, are you thankful for that reality? Do you build your life upon that truth? Can you believe it and confess that truth with great confidence? If you can't, hopefully after today, you will. Because this third truth is absolutely awesome. So not only can we as believers have the assurance of our salvation, we also have the assurance that God will hear our prayers, and not only will he hear those prayers, he'll answer them. It is because of the gift of eternal life that we as children of God can come directly before his throne of grace with great confidence and with boldness. The truth of our text this morning is a natural result that stems from the truth that we find in verse number 13. So perhaps we should start there. 1 John chapter 5, verse number 13 says, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. And then he continues, he says, This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. That word confidence, this is the fourth time that John has used that word to describe uh, how we can behave or how we can react in life. He uses that word in chapter 2, again in chapter 3, and in chapter 4, and now for the fourth time he uses it in chapter 5. Now in chapters 2 and 4, the confidence, when he uses that term, it's in, with, it's in connection with the coming judgment of Jesus. In fact, since you're already there, go ahead and look at 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, verse number 28, says, Now little children abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming. He uses it in the same way in chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse number 17, he writes, he says, By this love is perfected with us, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. Now in chapter 3, John uses that term in connection with the issue of how we can approach God in prayer. So in chapter 3, verses 21 and 22, he says, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, We have confidence before God, and whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. So in our text this morning, just as in chapters 2, 3, and 4, the term confidence is applied to a believer's status before God. Our confidence in prayer is a a natural consequence of the assurance that we have eternal life. The confidence that we can approach God and that he listens to our prayers is based on the same confidence that we are his children, that we belong to him, and that he has gifted us everlasting life. 
I mean, these two verses, they, they, they are a great passage on prayer. And so we need to pay very close attention to what is actually being said here. There are two truths that go with this um, foundational conviction of God answers prayers. Truth number one, and I'll unpack both of them. Truth number one is that God hears our prayers. Truth number two is that God answers the prayers that he hears. And so we begin with the first truth, that we can have confidence that God hears our prayer. John says, if we ask anything according to his will, he will hear us. Let's look at the text. 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15 says, This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us and whatever we ask, we know that, the re- that we have the request which we have asked from him. And so John says, if we ask anything in accordance to his will, he hears us. So, whereas the condition to answer prayer back in chapter 3, go back to chapter 3. Notice the condition for answer prayers in chapter 3. In verse number 22, the condition for those answered prayers is that we keep his commandments and we do the things that are pleasing in his sight. Here in chapter 5, he says that our request, the condition of answered prayers is that our request should be made in accordance to the will of God. And so I had you open your Bibles, and I hope you found it, John chapter 14. Go ahead and go there. In John chapter 14. And as you're turning there, let me highlight the fact that, that prayer is not about getting our will accomplished in heaven. Prayer is about the will of God being carried out here on earth. And so in John chapter 14, Jesus says in verse number 13, he says, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So Jesus is saying the same thing. Make a request in my name, and I'll do it. Look at verse, um, chapter 15. Go to chapter 15 of John. John 15, verse number 7. Jesus says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Then later in chapter 15, when you get to verse number 16, Jesus says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. Uh, One more, look at... uh, John chapter 16. John chapter 16, verses 23 and 24. It says, In that day you will not question me about anything. Truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask the Father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive, so that your joy may be made full, or so that your joy may would be complete. So, so make no mistake, praying in Jesus' name is way more than just a phrase that we tack at the end of our prayers. Yes, Jesus is the only way that we can access our Heavenly Father. There's only one way that we can approach God, and that is in and through His Son. 
And so Jesus is the only way. And so we must approach the throne of grace through the Son of God. Scripture tells us that there is one mediator between God and man, and that is Jesus Christ. In fact, the text says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 5, it's pretty clear, for there is one God and there is one mediator also between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. So there is only way, one way that we can access our Heavenly Father that is in and through His Son. So may you know that the fundamental characteristic of effectual prayers is that the request or the petition of the person who offers the prayer must be consistent with both the Word of God and the will of God. Don't ever underestimate or undervalue the will of God for our lives. Which means sometimes our desires is not what God desires for us. Sometimes what we want is not what God wills for our lives. Faith will accept that that God's desires are best. Faith will, will trust in His plan and His purpose, even when His plan and His purpose doesn't seem to be making sense in our current circumstances. Faith rests in the sovereignty of God. That that God is sovereign over and through all things and God will work all things out in accordance to his will and for his glory. Faith accepts these truths. Now you know that God not only ordains the end, God also ordains the means to the end. Prayer. Prayer is the means by which God gives his children what they need. Oh, some of you need to hear that again. Prayer is the means by which God gives his children what they need. Uh, back to 1 John chapter 5. Before getting into verse number 15, let me quickly point out something else in verse 14. I want you to look at the verb ask. Maybe you need to make note of it because that verb is actually in the present tense. And so why is this important to to point out? I want you to realize that that while you may not see the answers to your prayers immediately, we can have the inner confidence that God hears us and he answers those prayers immediately. We might not see the answers immediately, but God hears and answers when we pray. And so we can have great confidence that God hears our prayers Which leads into the next thing is that we can have great confidence that God will answer those prayers. So look at verse 15. He says, if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked from him. So the hearing and the granting are conditioned upon the request being made in accordance to his will. See, it's the prosperity gospel would seem to suggest that health and wealth are yours for the grabbing. If you'll just believe enough on your own that you can make these things happen. If you speak it and say it enough, then you can speak certain things into existence. But that is a gross distortion of the Word of God. The context of this letter, John is trying to help the listener see God 
as a loving father to whom we can turn to with our request, to, to whom we can lay down our burdens. He's a loving father that we can take all of our cares, all of our concerns, and bring it unto him. Uh, John is trying to clearly point out for, for language that we can understand today that our Heavenly Father is not some spiritual vending machine. He's not some genie in a bottle that we turn to that is going to be there to grant all of our wishes at our command. That's not how it works. So while we must reject any abuse or misuse of this text, we must also embrace what it does teach. Building upon what he's already taught us about abiding in Christ, about God's deep love for us, John tells us that in prayer that we can uh, pray with great boldness because we know that when we pray, God will hear and he will answer. See, verse number 15 further expands the, the thought that's contained in verse 14. John assures us that we can know in fact, he uses that word twice in verse number 15, that you can know, that you can know. So we can know that God will hear and answer a prayer that is offered in faith in accordance to his will. The text says, for whatever the believer asks, God will hear. But you need to understand that, that the whatever on verse number 15 is conditioned by the according to the will of God in verse number 14. And so when we as children of God align our prayers with the will of God, God hears them, and he will respond. And so since we know that he hears our prayers when we offer them in accordance to his will, then we can have great confidence in knowing that he's going to answer the prayers that we have offered Again, verse 15, notice the verb tense that's being used. It says, it's in the present tense, it says that we have the request. It does not say when you pray in accordance to his will that you will have future tense. It's in the present tense. It says that you have currently. So why is that important? Because it's indicating that God grants our request immediately. Even though the answers may not be revealed immediately, we can have great confidence and assurance in knowing that he has heard and he has answered and we can wait with great confidence and trusting that, he will, that we will see the answers to those prayers in accordance to his will, in accordance to his time. The whole thing kind of gets conditioned on being sure that we as his children are praying in accordance to the will of God. So the question becomes, how do we do that? How do we know for sure that we are praying in accordance for God's will in our current circumstance and situation? I want you to understand that I believe that this happens in direct connection with our growth in Jesus Christ. When people choose to put their faith and put their life and line it up with the Word of God and the will of God, then the Holy Spirit who dwells within the children of God, the Holy Spirit will teach us to understand God's will for our lives and in our circumstance. God, the Holy Spirit will reveal God's will as it's taught in His Word. 
So how do you know the will of God in your life? Oh, there's a direct correlation by knowing the Word of God. The Word of God reveals the will of God. So if you're struggling to discover the will of God for your life, for your circumstance, then I would encourage you to heavily invest yourself in studying the Word of God. God's will is revealed through His Word. So as we know His Word, we'll discover His will. And as we discover His will, sometimes even in that, we'll find ourselves in, in situations where we're just unsure of how to pray about a particular thing. You ever been there? Done that? You know you need to see God moving in something, but, but you just don't even know how you're supposed to pray for the person or for their circumstance. Well, the beautiful reality is that's when the Holy Spirit kicks in. And that's when the Holy Spirit begins to do that work of interceding on our behalf. It's a beautiful truth that's found in Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27. It says, In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Now, have you opened your Bible to Matthew chapter 6? Turn there real quick. I want to see and give you an example on, on how this plays out in Scripture. Jesus provided us with the perfect example of how we're to pray. Jesus teaches us how to pray in Matthew chapter 6. Beginning in verse number 5, he says, When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners, so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, don't use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do. For they, they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them. Oh man, look at this, verse 8. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And that's awesome. But He already knows. He already knows what it is that you need in your circumstance and in your life before you ask him. Your prayer isn't bringing an awareness and intention to God about what you're struggling with. He already knows. He already knows your pain. He already knows your problems. He already knows your worries. He knows what you need. Then it says in verse 9, pray then in this way, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, with that in mind, turn to Matthew 26. Because in Matthew 26, we see how Jesus not only gave us the command of how to pray, we see how he models this, uh, this prayer pattern in his own life. Matthew chapter 26, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's in the garden where he chooses the will of his Father over his own personal desire. 
And it's there that he takes the will of his father and receives the, the bitter cup or the, the death of the cross. Listen, as I read beginning of verse number 36, it says, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with him Peter and two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. And he went a little beyond them, and he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples, and he found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, So you men could not keep watch with me for one hour? Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again a second time and prayed, saying, My father, if this cannot pass away unless I drink it, your will be done. He accepts the will of the father. He prays, God, if there's any other way, for the salvation of men to be accomplished, could you just let the other way happen? But, but not what I desire, not what I want. Your will be done. Your will be done. I believe that if we will study God's word diligently, it would help us to know his word thoroughly so that we might submit to his word wholeheartedly. So if we're studying his word diligently, knowing his word thoroughly, submitting to it wholeheartedly, then we can have great confidence in knowing that in our prayers it would be impossible for us to ask anything from God than which he would not answer. Because our lives would be aligned with the word of God and the will of God. Which means when we are walking in proper fellowship with God, John uses the language, when we are abiding in Christ. So when we are abiding in Christ, when we're following Him, in chapter 3, verse 22, following Him, we're obeying His commandments and, and we're doing the things that are pleasing in His sight. So abiding in Christ, following Him, obeying him, doing everything that's pleasing in his sight, then we can know that we can have confidence that God will hear our prayers and he will answer them. Scripture tells us, it says, therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. This morning, I'm just curious, you don't have to raise your hand or anything. But how many of you need to, to find mercy in your life today? How many are you, of you need to, to find grace to help you in your time of need? I'd imagine if we were honest, I think all of us could say, yeah, I need some of God's mercy. I need some of God's grace. I, I need God to... Um, 
intervene in, in, in my life or the life of someone whom I love and care for deeply. And he got to intervene in a mighty, miraculous way in their circumstance. Well, I'd imagine that we could spend all afternoon and evening sharing personal prayer requests with one another. I, I wish that we, we would, frankly. Seems too often we're just too eager to get in and to get out. God's word clearly tells us that if we'll abide in him, his word abides in us. If we'll be faithful unto him, and, and, and if we'll know his word, then, then we'll know how to pray. Remember, in our prayers, it's not about getting God to do what you want done. So you can't outnumber God. It's not about praying for a specific thing and then trying to convince six or 20 other people to join you in that prayer. So maybe if 20 people are asking God for the same God, then we can beat him down and cause him to go ahead and give us exactly the thing that we've asked for. And I say that, but I'm not undermining the, the, the importance of gathering together and, and jointly lifting prayers and concerns unto the Father. The, the whole key to all of it is understanding the importance of praying in accordance to his will. So those of you that are struggling today, man, pray for God to answer. Pray for God to move. Go ahead and ask him. Ask him for deliverance. Ask him for healing. Ask him for the financial means to, to pay those bills that you have. Ask all of that, but understand, ask him in accordance to his will so that he can be glorified and that he can be praised. God is sovereign in and through all of our lives. Sometimes we're in the midst of hardship and heartache because of the foolish things that we have done. Praise God that he is merciful and gracious to forgive us of our sins, to forgive us when we do stupid things. But sometimes the sin and the stupid things that we do in life have consequences that get attached to it. And so sometimes we're, we're struggling because of the consequences of sinful activities or actions that have been done in the past. But know that God is loving in and through it all. And in this difficult season, if it's a result of sin, know that God's grace and his mercy is still available to you. That you can grow in your love for the Father, your trust in him in this time of hardship. Sometimes I think the reason why the church lacks certain things is quite simply because we fail to petition the Father for those things. Jesus himself said, hey, at this time, like, you don't have anything because you haven't asked me anything. I just read that. May we be a, a, a praying church, a loving church, a church that is willing to intercede on behalf of one another. Because sometimes we are going to have to have difficult conversations with each other. But that gets into the message for, for next week. Next week, we're going to talk about sin and the life of the believer. And then no one who is truly born of God can continue to practice habitual sin in their lives. There are some sins that lead unto death, and there are sins that doesn't lead unto death. And so what does all of that mean? Well, if you'll come next week, I'll explain it to you. But today, my encouragement to you 
is to get on your knees before the Father. Take everything that you're concerned with, everything that consumes your mind, and present it unto him. Trust him. Love him enough to, to view him as a loving father that he is. And know that just because you ask for something, man, be thankful that God doesn't give us everything that we ask for. God will give us in accordance to his will. So may we offer our prayers in the name of his son in accordance to his will. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. Thank you for your great love for us, for this church, Father. Everyone that is here today, I give you thanks and praise. For those that are still at home watching online, I give you thanks and praise for them as well. Father, this is a, a most difficult season in the life of church, in the life of our nation, and, and throughout the world. Father, I pray that we would be turning to you for answers, that we would be putting our faith and trust in you for, for what it is that we're currently facing. God, I pray that each and every person that is here, that's watching or that's listening, Father, I, I pray that they would take their burdens, present them unto you. God, help us to, to love you with all of our heart. Help us to be diligent to study your word. God, help us to rightly apply your word in how we live, and what we say, and what we do. We gather this morning, we, we recognize that there are those that have been born of God, those that have yet to be born of God. For those that don't have a relationship with you through faith in your Son, we continue to pray and ask that the Holy Spirit move in their life, granting them the faith to receive the salvation which you offer. God, for your children, I pray that we would not be arrogant, proud, puffed up, thinking that we're all that. Help us to recognize that there are still things that are in our lives that displease you. So God, I pray that as your spirit makes those things known unto each and every one of us, that we would confess our sins, repent from those sins, and make a fresh commitment to walk anew with you. God, whatever needs to happen throughout the rest of this day to bring us into a right relationship with you, Father, I pray that you just make it happen. Help us to love you more than we ever thought possible. Help us to love one another the way that you love us. And may this church be filled with grace, love, peace, truth. May we be bold in our declarations of what we believe. May we be bold in presenting the, the full gospel. And we love one another enough to tell them the truth about the sin that separates them from you. May we love each other enough to hold one another accountable for how we live and how we walk. God, we thank you for the privilege of gathering together in worship. We recognize that there are people around the world and now there are people in our own country that aren't afforded this privilege. And I pray that you would take away their fear, that you would allow them to, to rightfully gather together, 
whatever way that looks, so that we could be obedient to your word, that we could be faithful to what you have told us to do. And I ask your blessings upon the rest of this day. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen. Listen, before we're dismissed, I do want to remind you uh, that immediately following the service in our fellowship halls, out that door, down that hall to your left, uh, we are having a brief meeting today to discuss the possibility of launching again uh, upward basketball. Uh, that would be something that would be uh, started in the winter time. But we need to know if we have the engagement of volunteers in order to pull something off like this. And so we will be having a very brief meeting in the fellowship hall. There's tables and chairs set up in there already. And when I say brief, I promise you'll be in and out of here less than 30 minutes, okay? So, look, we're, I even finished up early today. What a blessing that is. I'll get it back next week, but I'll let you go a little bit early today. Make your way to the fellowship hall uh, to be a part of that conversation. And as you go today, may you stand and may you receive the blessing as we are dismissed. May God bless you. May God go before you to lead you, behind you to protect you, beneath you to sustain you, and beside you to befriend you. Do not be afraid. God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit will always be with you. So don't be afraid. Go. Glorify God and seek to make his glory known by making disciples of Jesus Christ through the preaching, teaching, and proclamation of his word and by serving one another in truth, with love, with grace. Amen. See you next time, church.